Hello, hello, and welcome to Review 2. This time we're Review 2-ing Songs of Surrender. Disc 3, Adam. Welcome to another edition of Review 2. My name is Tyler. Here with me, as always, is Johnny. Say hello, Johnny. Hello. We are two bespectacled U2 fans. We love talking about that, too. And today, we're bringing you Disc 3 of U2's Song of Surrender. The theme that just played us in there was by Tommy Jones and The Quaintest Show on Earth. A nice craftworky style. Yeah, I particularly enjoyed the German lyrics in there. What, <laughs> do you know what they say? I imagine it's Review 2, but rendered in German. Auf Deutsch. Well, I didn't know. I was going to ask him, but I didn't. Well, you can ask him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but nice craftworky vibes. Uh, maybe something that we could have expected to see on this album. Yeah. Spoiler, it... we don't. No, we don't. I mean, this whole disc, I think, is a big step up. If people were listening to the last episode and got very annoyed at us, well, that's because the Larry disc, for me, is, is probably the lowest in terms of overall quality and choices. And it's just subjectively not my favorite way of going with the u2 songs this is a big step up and i would have loved to hear some kind of more radical reinventions or reimaginings as we've as we've said in that craftworky way like they did for the cover of neon lights that sort of stuff but we have some radical risk taking on this particular selection of tracks but what we don't have is any, to me anyway, any major missteps. This is all pretty good quality all the way through. So that's that's a nice thing to say right from the start. So uh, people can uh, people can relieve themselves. <laughs> can they? <laughs> breathe, breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> okay. I just want to say, um, pulling the curtain back a bit of how we've recorded these episodes... We recorded episodes one and two in one day, and we're recording this one and the next one in one day. So really what you've heard, at least on my side, is me getting to know this album and living with this album. Obviously, when I knew that the recording session for one and two was coming up, I focused mostly mostly listened to... The Edge? Discs one and two. The Edge and Larry. And this week I've focused on discs three and four. So, the a lot of these songs may find different moments to you know get to me. But this is very much a, an initial review uh, when I'm first listening to this album. Yeah, but I mean, no U two album ever stays static. It always, you know, the positions are always changing around. There's only a few things that stay really kind of permanently at the top and the bottom for me with U two. But I imagine my opinions on these tracks will change just like everyone's will. One thing I was struck by though, looking back, having now got to know songs of Surrender for quite a while, is just the sheer diversity of opinions. So we stuck on Twitter last night, just a general re- request for what do you think? How how is it going with you? And the results have been, well, not staggering, but just very, very diverse. Yeah. So many different people. I think we've had like over 20 different people get in touch with us about this. And 
there's ones which we don't like very much at all. There's ones which we're completely on board with. Everyone just seems to have their own opinion about this. So that's good. It's nice to have a diversity of opinions about this album. Yeah, it's a very personal album to listen to. Mm. Um, we weren't really told what to expect beforehand. I don't think you could have... If, if you were a betting person, I don't think you would have put money on a lot of the choices made no. across the board. On all four discs. Apart from some of the big hitters, I mean, they they do seem to have leaned heavy, and this is to me one of the. When we get to our overall wrap of this al- wrap up of this album, not rap of this album. God, that would be awful if we did a, a cover version of raps. Um, but when we get to our overall wrap up, I feel like they've leaned a bit too heavy on the big hitters, without maybe reimagining them as radically as possible. But there are some. There's some nice surprises. Yeah. 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 Well, we won't go too far down that line. No need for a lot of preamble today. Let's get right to the track by track. Vertigo, 3 minutes, 29 seconds. From How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb. The first thing that strikes me about this is I like that they've gone quite different with it. I like that they've got the, the string sections and it's quite heavy in places. Sounds to me like a mix between Apocalyptica, who I don't know if I've shown you before, but yeah, I know Apocalyptica. I know them, yeah, yeah, good. So yeah, so anyone who's not, I'm sure I've mentioned them before, but anyone who's not heard of them, they are a kind of metal synergied with classical string instruments quartet, and it's it reminded me of that because obviously Vertigo is in U2ville quite a heavy song, but this is you know this is we're using I think cello to replace the main riff or to go along with it. But also, it feels like, because of the way the melody lines are, it feels almost like a Fez version of it. You know, some of the interesting melodies that they were playing with around about the No Line on the Horizon. Um, and we'll we'll just put a pin in No Line on the Horizon, because I want to come back to that as a topic for this review later. But it feels almost like it's got those kind of Fez-influenced, especially that, that opening bit of string in there. It doesn't I, feel I like Vertigo. What did it, you get? It, remi- it reminded me more of the Jonathan Creek theme tune. <laughs> dance macabre do, 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 do. that one is that dance macabre all, all i know i'm not i'm not a big was creek that a piece head. of music before it was the jonathan creek theme yes. tree? oh right yeah. i i didn't know if for some reason you just knew the title of the jonathan creek theme well that and well yeah i do know it because i mean i know it famously uses that that theme what yeah. I, what i know is weird yes it is <laughs> um but yeah that i got really weird um 90s detective series vibes from it <laughs> British detective series vibes, which are all seemingly set in a mm. um, the nineteen twenties. Are they? There's always like a village green and a, a vicar and you know people <laughs> interwar year that, that you just don't see in the city. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> I mean, look, guys, you are guaranteed a unique review with Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, this the- uh, this sounded like a theme tune to a nineties, a, a British detective series from the nineties. There you go. From the 90s, but set specifically in the 1920s. Okay. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that the strings get more intense, as particularly in the second verse, there's that kind of loco, maddening, vertigo feeling that builds up. And I, I think this is the thing. They've not just gone, right, vertigo, but just do everything the same on, on, a, on a cello. It seems like they've worked with the cellist and they've reinterpreted it to make it actually interesting and new. And for a song which is this old now, make it fresh. I mean, I think that's nice. We've we've got strings actually replacing the lyrics in the bridge, which is good. I think they do the melody works better done that way. And also, at one point, there is a string slide. You know, so like there's like a guitar slide, which is obviously done on mm. guitar strings. 
it's that sort of thing, but from what I can tell on on a classical instrument. So it's just it's interesting, and it's a good way to kick off the the start of a record. I think it, it is interesting. Bit of an obvious candidate for a re-release. It is has been regarded as one of the bigger hits, one of the last big hits that they ever had. Really, yeah. I feel like the Edge had a lot more input, or he had more ideas of how to improve this. Not improve, but reimagine this song. Mm. I feel like Bono might just be um, showing up. Yeah, yeah. There's well, n- there's nothing extraordinary on show from Bono here. It's good. It's not bad, but yeah. it, he's not bringing a um, he's he's not bringing any new guests to the party. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is as an edge led project, as I'm going to keep referring to this as. I think that that does make some sense. But yeah, Bono's not not reinventing the wheel here, and. That's fine. He doesn't have to, and it would be weird if he did. But there's no zany choices that he's doing. I, I wondered if they'd bring in Killian Murphy to do a uh, to do like a cameo on this, considering it is his you know newly favourite song ever. Oh yeah, it is, his, it, is it, his, it is his favourite song. <laughs> it, that that's that's for true. Went from his least favourite to his, his yeah, most this is his song. most favourite song ever. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure he loves this. I'm surprised it's not dedicated to him in the 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 liner notes. Nope, nope. Um, I thought an instrumental version of this, the string version, would mm. be really nice to his, to listen to. Well, there is that Philharmonic, um, Philharmonic. Nice album. guy, Philharmonic, isn't he? Yeah, he's a melodious chap. Yeah. yeah. Um, Why do you say it like Philharmonic? Philharmonic. Philharmonic. Then, all right. Phil. Phil. Well, there's, a, there's an H in there. You should pronounce it. Philharmonic is Irish. Right. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, there is that version. There's that CD. I don't know if it's official or anything, but you know what I mean. Where they've done the. Um, the string versions of you two that was, it was yeah i mean yeah I'd, i'm glad the lyrics are on here basically but the other version this reminded me of was um do you remember the banjo version that they'd done at one point it was i hadn't but now i do <laughs> there's a really good moment in that where, I, where i'm sure i've said this before as well but where bono um puts his hand on on edge's banjo so to speak is that on spotify no i think it's it was a limited Release. It was a B-side. I think it was just literally on the uh, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb extra disc right. like, video stuff. I don't think it was released properly. It was just a messing around can in the studio. we put some under us talking in the bed? Uh, yeah, I can put it on. I'll try and get the moment where Bono... He, he puts his hand on Edge's instrument, as I said, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a totally... Platonic way. Yeah, and, yeah. And, um, and he goes... And no one gets hurt, right? And I think Edge nods back to him, Yours. and it's <laughs> it's so weird. Silly. Yeah. Just give, me Just give me what I want, and no one gets hurt, right? But it's a, yeah, it's a good version. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, really, my only comment with this is: Did this song require reimagining? Yeah, but if we start, I feel like we asked that question a lot last time. Well, maybe we did, maybe we did. Yeah, it just, yeah, it, it's okay. It doesn't. Right, there's, I think there's, there's a difference here. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll eventually start to categorize this in a more, in a more explicit fashion. But it's a good question. Did this song need reimagining? So there are songs in the in YouTube's back catalogue which I would say are sketches that it would be useful for them to fill in. There's like loads of potential there. What can you do with this? Elvis Presley in America is a good example for me for that. As in, I really like the guitar, and it, if it was given quite a few more passes and worked up into a song, I think it would have been way better. Mm. I know Eno loves the whole improvised sort of floaty nature of it, but I don't think it's that great. How many songs do you think there are in the canon which m- the majority of fans would have been 
uh, would have turned around and gone, no, you don't, don't touch that track. Leave it, leave it as it is. Uh, are there any song? I'm thinking of like a song like Heartland or a song like Love Comes Tumbling. Oh, I see what you mean. You know, like, just leave that alone. Don't risk I think, ruining I think, I think what partic- we've got, though. I think particularly something like I think Heartland's a good example because that seems like it couldn't be. I don't. I wouldn't want that to turn up in like a funked up, strange arrangement because it seems so no. pretty and beautiful on its own. But look, Heartland would have been a fantastic. If I'd seen that down the list, that would have been one of the first things I, going I, on. I you know? think seeing Heartland on this track list would have made me trepidatious. But I mean, yeah, I mean it's, it's a difficult one. But I, I, I would be more interested in that. So I think if we if we're going back to this thing, there are some songs which could be reimagined, or as in they 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 it feels like they're unfinished. And then there's ones which I think there's just no need to do this because it's already such a familiar song anyway, and they're not mm. gonna. And th- those to me are the most are the most disappointing things on the on this album. When it when it does disappoint in the forty tracks, there's some real highs, but there's just moments where I think this is this is unnecessary and it's dull to me. And that would be uh, prime candidate would be every breaking wave there. I suppose it's nice we've got it on a record version, but you can hear that version any, any way you want. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of which, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Have you found what you're looking for with this cover version, Tyler? Yes, I have. It's four minutes and 15 seconds. Oh, thank God you said that. Otherwise, people wouldn't, wouldn't know where to put themselves. Um, I also think this is a very good version, but I'll let you uh, take it. Instantly, I think Bono sounds absolutely shattered. <laughs> he just... Dropped like, his kebab again. No, he just, I don't know, he seems very weary in this. I put um, gravel and age in his voice. Yeah, the, the music's lovely. Instrumentally, it sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's an age of weariness. Um, and I, I don't know, I kept, I kept, wouldn't, does he mean, is this a performance? Is he, is he, is this like on the other side of things? Or, you know, mm. is a 26 year old singing, that's the one I'm looking for, but I'm gonna. Yeah. You know, or there's a, a 60-odd-year-old... I still haven't found what I'm looking for, and I'm running out of time. I don't know if I'll find it now. Yeah. That's what I, I got from it. And I, but I didn't know if it, that was actually being acted or if it, it was Bono hadn't decided how to sing this. I think he's conscious of the fact that this is a very different beast sung from this end of the telescope. So, yeah, I don't think he's... I think he's maybe leaning on it a little bit, but I don't think he's hamming it up too much. Um looking back, you know, from that perspective so many years, back down the other, you know... I mean, if you, if you think about the original song here, it does, one thing that is good about this version is it did make me think about the the original. And I've not thought about Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For for ages. But it is very... A bit like Pride. It's very over the top. It's, you know, it's Bono singing his heart out, singing his lungs out. Whereas I quite like this um, reinterpretation because it is full of age and it's got its wear and its wrinkles on it and everything yeah um largely i, I really enjoyed the instrumentation I, I wouldn't have made the heavy finger pick sound that edge edge does in the chorus i think that's it's quite prominent yeah I maybe it's just too high up in the mix i didn't like it to begin with but now i do quite like it i i listened to this walking it'll catch your attention but i'm not sure that's for good reasons down 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 yeah i think uh, my summary of this version of some I still haven't found what I'm looking for is I think Edge is still trying to reach for different things within this song, mm. and I feel Bono is a little bit more over 
the song. No, there's mm. nothing else that he can bring to it that he hasn't already brought to it through through the years. I think only that change of perspective and and weariness. Yeah, and and, and it's kind of it's it's a good weariness. Like you know, you've been for a big long walk, that sort of thing. Not like oh god, I'm sick of this song again. Mm. Um, I like those extra bits of synth. That are added in the verse, the you know, do 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 do, like that. That stuff's really nice in there. Um, I think it was just in a good mood when I listened to this on, on on a walk today, and it was nice and just like a little little spin around the around the park. This, there seems to be a happier lift with this disc yeah. so far. There's a lot less. There's a lot less of me feel feeling. Oh God, I'm going to say something that's going to really wind people up. I feel like I'm I'm on board with this rather than the dragging me along with them. Yeah, I saw at least one person say that on Twitter that you know that. This disc is where it's at for him. Yeah, um, which which is is fine, and uh, I I understand that. There's just one or two songs which obviously I would prefer to be on another disc, but mm. um, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 get to what we think. Uh, track three, then. Uh, just before that, did you notice the special guest stars at the end of it? Who is it? <laughs> who are, the, who are us, they? No, no, God, no, no. Um, some some uh, particular people who have a kind of you know history with this album, with that with Joshua Tree. Oh, was it the choir? Nope. Well, sort of, but no, not not. They're not professional singers in that sense. Oh right, who then? I don't know. Well, who who do you think had a big hand in the sound of Joshua Tree, the Joshua Tree? I don't know. Clearly, don't know. Just tell me. <laughs> Uh, should I have some more clues? Um, the, one of them is bald, and one of them often wears a hat. And they have European-sounding names. And they've appeared on this podcast in your impressions quite a lot. Well, one of them has. One of them is bald. One of them wears a hat. Yeah, and they're they're part of the production of the Joshua Tree. I don't know who you're on about. <laughs> uh, all right. Is this bit staying in? Is this crap? <laughs> it depends how long it is. Um, Brian Eno and Danny Lanois. Oh, right. And? Tyler just shrugged like Alan Partridge. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. well, they are there. I thought it'd be, it'd be weird to... like they make What, it what are they doing? They say, they say at the end, they go, I still haven't found whatever I'm looking for. It's very obvious that someone else has sidled into the studio. It's like, wait a sec. That's not Bono. That ain't Edge. It's well, old Eno. Welcome. Creeping back in. Well, yeah, well, well, uh, you didn't seem to notice them. But Strange, the... Strangely, like I would have liked a little bit of uh, Eno's presence on this whole project. Well, he would, yeah, he would have shook shook, shook things up a it little would bit. Have done what? <laughs> he would have shook things up a bit in the studio. <laughs> I think. I think that's what I said. Anyway, right, moving on then. Electrical Storm uh, from the best of 1990 to 2000 at four minutes thirteen. This was the song that made me most excited when I. I cast my eye on its first cursory mission down these uh, 40 tracks. I thought, yes, brilliant. And this has made me love this song all over again. I, I remember when this first came out, and one thing that you get that you get very little of, or very rarely happens these days in U2 fandom, after you've been banging on about them as long as we have, is that kind of like shivers sort of moment, and just thinking about lyrics and it, have, and it mean a lot to you. So... A, shivers, because the production is fantastic and everyone seems really committed to it. B, I've, I've even thought about lyrics that I've, that I've not, you know, that I've heard for ages, but I've not really thought about for a long time. So you're in my mind all the time. On its own, that is not a very bold, striking, poignant, deep, complex lyric. It could be in any pop song and there's nothing wrong with it. 
but the point is that he follows it up with, I know that's not enough. Yeah. Which is which is him basically saying a cliche about lovey dovey stuff, like, oh, you're in my mind all the time, click, click, you know, that kind of thing. And then, but I know that's not enough. It's not enough to just obsess about someone or to think about them. You have to actually do stuff as well. So this version made me think more about the lyrics, which it, is good. It's the way that that line's enunciated as well. Like, you're in my mind all of the time. It mm. is a nice bounce to that melody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in my mind all of the time. And then, I know that's not enough kind of breaks that melody. Mm. That nice poppy. You're in my mind all of the time. Yeah. I know that's not... It takes it somewhere else. It doesn't have a rhyme in the middle of it either. So There was a time in my life where seeing an alternate version or a newer version, updated version of Electrical Storm, that would have been enough to make me buy an album. Yeah. That just... To see what else they can mine from Electrical Storm. Because I I think it was a pretty big, powerful song which Mm. gets forgotten about because it wasn't on a main album. It didn't get played live very often. From from what I can tell, it it did... Yeah, it it did get forget... It did get forgotten, mm-hmm. but it was a, when it came out. That big Samantha Morton Larry video was a, was around a lot. I remember hearing it a lot. Yeah. And there were two different versions of it. Um, the quieter, initially quieter version, I preferred. So it has been a song that they've messed around with. It did make a reappearance on the 360 tour, mm. and it's a really good version. And yeah. you can tell they're not done with this song, but they also maybe weren't fully happy with it either. Yeah, I do think. Uh, even 20 years ago, they couldn't have played that every night. Bono wouldn't have been able to sing that every night. Well, they've solved the problem here by getting Edge to do a lot of the heavy lifting on on this version. They have, yeah. And I, I, th- I think Edge's voice is actually better suited in some respects to this. I mean, yes, his, his voice is really highly processed, but I love that. The fact that this is a song called Electrical Storm. Mm. Electrical Storm, flashes of lightning, you know, things going off and on again, that sort of stuff. And then Edge's tremolo effect on his voice where it's kind of skipping in and out is it's incredible and it works so well this is the like this is some of the best production i've heard from them for ages since probably songs of innocence to me and again i I know i sound like a broken record but i would like to see some of this sort of flair for production on some new songs as well yeah it sounds like i'm being backhanded in my compliment there but i I would just i I want them to do this sort of stuff because they can do it What's what a lot of what I've got from this album is like oh there's some interesting stuff going on there why don't they apply that to a you know a new song mm. it seems it can seem somewhat wasteful on older songs but the piano is gorgeous and yeah. haunting at the same time yeah, yeah. I, I was definitely feeling a mix of emotion and trying to listen to that piano as much as possible Bono sounds much more youthful than he has done which makes me wonder if this is a um, an earlier take yeah. Uh. I don't. I. I didn't. I didn't have a suspicion about that. But he does sound very up for it. On I, this. I have no problem with it as well. It would be silly to say, oh well, mm. you've got a, a drum track from Larry from twenty years ago. But I, I want Bono to sing everything. Yeah. Live. Oh, also, we, we missed that it was it was actually Bono's old voice being spliced into the you know the the new version of Pride that's on that's on Songs of Surrender. Yeah. It's him singing with himself from that long ago which is which is interesting but I, I'm not yeah. much to say about it nice um, would have liked Eli to turn up if it's ever going to happen this would have been a good project for Eli to do some yeah I think, voice comparison work I think because Eli being Bono's son in Inhaler I think because he's desperate to avoid that that just close connection and always being described as he is by everyone as you know Bono, just Bono's son I think because of that He's maybe trying to step away from a project like that. 
Yeah. But, yeah, interesting. You know, maybe in maybe I was gonna say maybe in twenty years, but um, I'm hoping Bono will still be around by then. I did actually question if it was an alternative track um, in my notes, so I'm glad you've ticked that one off for me. <laughs> but I got another strange. I got a strange feeling from Out of Control, and I got a strange feeling from this. It was like when you unexpectedly bump into an old friend, somebody that you used to be very close with and see a lot, mm. and then you just you bump into them in the supermarket. And I said this about Walk On. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> just yeah I, it's the exact idea. same thing. Well, I said I said this is like meeting an old friend that I've not seen for a while. Well, yeah, but like the the mix of emotions of that situation of being oh I'm glad to see you. there's so much I want to see you know I want. I, I want to see you. I don't want to come over too strong in case you think I'm weird. But, you know, I'd like to have a beer and, like, you know, reminisce about old times, tell you where my life is now. A lot of little emotions in the, in that little bit. And that's how I found I was feeling about Electrical this Storm. new version of Electrical Storm. It's not like it was, but neither am I. <laughs> so being accepting to the fact that a song can mature and change and become something different. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure this was one of the very first U2 songs I ever heard. Yeah, it would have been around the time you when I was getting into them, and I just, it's got a special place in my heart. I feel like this is almost very, you know, it's kind of day one for me. Yeah. So it's nice to go back to that spot, and it's also nice that you two don't do that very often. Yeah. So I'm allowed to have that relationship with this song, Mm. which is unique to me. But uh, there was a lot of different emotions coming uh, coming to me when I was when I was listening to this for the first time. I would also say this is if if you want a positive answer to that question that we keep asking, which is you know, what, what's the point of this or what makes a good songs of song of surrender? This would be my answer. Like I would point to this yeah. as a good example. It's something that's not been done to death. It's something the band clearly at the time and have always since its creation wanted to kind of fix or go back to, but not felt sure how. It's produced beautifully. There's bits done differently and it only adds to it. And it's also clearly not just trying to do exactly the same as the original. So mm. the, this is all the kind of like the tick, tick, tick for me of, of what makes a good song of Surrender to me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this this I'm, I'm, it's just nice to have a disc that's, that's got tracks like this on. Yeah. In a way, it makes me glad that they waited 20 years to revisit this track. Yeah. Because this is worth it. This is <laughs> worth the wait. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And my, my only real note about the performance is Edge in verse three is absolutely epic. It really takes off the... You say Hedge. Yeah, the hedge. <laughs> yeah, he's his. I mean, we've not really talked about how just the quality of Edge's voice here. Like, yes, he's in a studio, and yes, he's probably fiddling around with stuff. He's not half arson. No, he's not, and and he's taking. You would have thought that that bit, but that bit belonged to Bono. The screaming out through a kind of a stormy electrical sky, you know. <laughs> um, but the sky cracks. Yeah, and but the Edge's voice doesn't. And I think that uh, that that speaks volumes, really. Um, just looking at some people who might have mentioned that: Mark Malloy, uh, Electrical Storm, Connor Leahy. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Well, lots of people seem to seem to be on board with Electrical Storm. The Braymeister. I'm just saying names now. And but others. The, the yeah, the Bandwagon. Yeah, lots of people seem to like this version, which is which is good. If you listen to the show regularly and you want to join in some of our conversations on Twitter, just hit us up at rev underscore u2, I believe the thing, the catch, the, the tag thingy is. Sergio said he liked it as well. All right, well done. Thanks, Sergio. I'm not, yeah, sorry, I'm just, I'm just Twitter scrolling here. Let's stop that and let's carry on with 
The Fly. At four minutes two. Tyler's either doing an impression of a fly or has fallen into some sort of fit. Uh, this reminded me. Um, <laughs> this reminded me of. Do you remember the lounge fly mix? Yes, I do. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. I was thinking about that as well. Yeah. Right. This I can't get the two things out of my head to paraphrase one Kylie Minogue. Um, they kind of mix together these <laughs> versions, the lounge fly and this version, because they're both very laid back and like sultry. Again, I think this was worth doing, even though the fly is a massive mainstay and it was a big hit and we know it to death. This is a cool, interesting reinversion of it. And also, it's got the line, there's a lot of things, if I could, I'd rearrange, which I think could be a good title for a kind of another version of, I know we don't need another version, but you know, like, uh, if I do a, a version on Spotify where I put together my favourites of Songs of Surrender, I'm going to call it If I Could, I'd Rearrange. Four more discs. Four more discs. Four more discs. Well, apparently, there, I was, I was. We've not, we didn't do a lot of research on this album in terms of its production or anything like that, really, apart from just a cursory. I mean, Tyler did nothing, but like, um, apart from a glance at Wikipedia, I listened to it. That's about as much. That's all you should need to do. Right, great. Well done, you. But I, um, but also there was Angel of Harlem, and apparently, Moment of Surrender was was um, was on here as well. Uh, so so th there was even more stuff than, than was here right. so, so yeah this was a cool re rearranging um, of it uh, what do you think well it, it completely won me round because when I it started I was like oh, do we need another version of The Fly yeah it, they've done very good versions of The Fly since they've made it absolutely epic in live settings mm -hmm. who could forget the, 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 the just probably the ultimate version of the flight at Boston on That's the elevation what tour. What I would say as well, yes. Just beautiful, but they've they've continued to you know work on it and never really phone it in for that song. So did did we need one? But it it gets great really yeah. quickly, and yeah. it sounds incredible and impressive. So this is the kind of thing where I was like, oh well, I'm not that bothered about that song, and then it's turned me round completely within yeah. a few seconds. Um. It's not the same night out as the original. No. It's different. It feels like almost um, paranoid in places, but then also sort of laid back. Yeah, it's very weird. There's a moment in terms of its vibe, it's very hard to pin down. Go to 2 minutes 28, and it then starts to go to like almost like a Beatles level of psychedelia. Like it goes very, very weird. Like The melodies to me are very Beatles-y. It goes all over the place. It sounds, It actually sounds like uh, The Edge is doing Crowded House at about 2 minutes 40. <laughs> and um, it's... Um, it, it did it well. It, sound, it sounded well. It, yeah. It's not... The two styles of Crowded House and you two wouldn't not you wouldn't think would mix. But it, Edge must listen to what everybody else does. And it's interesting to hear what he actually likes yeah. within pop music. Because I don't think Edge talks about that kind of stuff a lot. He's he talks about the technical side a lot, but he doesn't really talk about the the music that he listens to. I, I think unless they yeah, like it might be a cursory question every now and then in an interview, but I think when you when you think about U2's influences, you tend to maybe go as, as you you think about it as a collective thing or Bono talking about particular things like giving Ali a copy of Man Machine and stuff like that but and sneaking why, into the Ramones. But why can't they be influenced by, you know, those kinds of bands which have a very respected reputation, but they they're not at the level of you two. Yeah, well, I think it's a, it's just a, a it's all a, a big mix of different things, isn't it? I mean, it's obvious these days that any Brandon Flowers doesn't fart without Bono knowing, <laughs> and I feel like almost vice versa. 
What a depressing thing to think about. <laughs> well, I mean... These millionaires have to spend the money somehow. And by the way, if anyone is interested in the, the influences and then the influence thereon, then check out our series, Tummel. So if you've only come to this to listen to you 2 stuff, then do check out Tummel because we've got a lot of interesting and... Uh, well, outre offerings of different things that have influenced you too, and that they have had an influence on. If you've ever listened to this episode, uh, these these episodes review two, and thought, "Oh God, these re- these guys really know what they're talking about." Well, uh, Tumble's a little bit different because we don't know what we're talking about over there. Yeah, to an even lower degree than, than you two. <laughs> um, so I've written in my notes for the fly, just to drag us back on track. Is I'm glad they're still attempting mad stuff like this. So I like the fact that they have rearranged it quite dramatically. Mm. Everything it amplifies, though, it, ampl- it, it it's bang on. It, it's exactly yeah. where it needs to be for a, a version like this. Like the like the bits with the do 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 do. That sort of stuff on on piano comes across really well. It is yeah, they hit all the major parts of this song well, but it does seem to have a murkiness to it that's different from the just overloaded humming techno overload kind of thing that was in the original. So yeah, thumbs up, guys, and again. I don't want this to be just this, the thing I say all the time when I like something, but take these mad choices where you are having some fun, put that into some new creativity. Don't ask a 10 million pro- uh, producers to, to help you with it. Yeah. And just have fun with it. It, it. The purpose of the album, I know we keep going on about this, but if they just said, oh, we just wanted to have fun with some tracks, mm. that's fine. That's yeah. more direction than we've been given. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I keep, I keep, thinking as well every time I, I think about this and maybe this is just me being a little bit pedantic or neurotic but i just keep thinking wouldn't it have been interesting if we had disc one all the classics you know so you've got with or without you one where the streets have no name and it's just those ones this two weird songs that you've not thought about for a long time so you know like uh, well not weird songs but you know what i mean like your electrical storms your if god will send his angels stuff that's like unfinished business they could call that cd then it's track number three back to being a boy or whatever they're calling it or boy revisited and then it's all like the old stuff like out of control and 11 o'clock that i just I, it annoys me there's no real organizing principle here apart from just yeah yeah 40 songs whatever and maybe they, maybe they thought it through more on the 16-track version, but I've not. to be honest, I've not bothered looking at what that actual track listing is. Not in any detail, anyway. I imagine we'll be hearing other, song, other songs done in this kind of way for a few years to come. Anytime they need a B-side or a, an extra uh, track. But B-side, fine. But I, I, just, I, I hope this is a 40-track full stop on something yeah. before they move into what might be the final stages of their career. Um, anyway, if God will send his angels... the at 5 minutes 14 the solitary pop song here and this was the idea of of, well pop is famously regarded by the band not I think by us as an unfinished album I think we love the way that pop sounds we don't need to go back into this again uh, but we like pop whereas the band famously wanted to go back and reevaluate things so this is the only offering from pop which is depressing because there's loads they could have done with lots on pop let's not get let's not get um, down on that let's talk about the good stuff Mm. This is so confident and so pretty in the way in the way that it is arranged and rendered on the piano. And it's the sort of thing where I think I love songs of surrender most when I imagine I've gone to watch the band playing and I didn't even know they were playing. And it's just Bono walks out, uh, Edge walks out, piano. And then suddenly if he broke into this, you'd be like, oh, it's 
oh, it's if God will send his angels. That's amazing. That's, that's brilliant. That's that's where I, I like this the most. And that's how I felt about this version. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy it's here and I'm really happy it's been done well. Yeah, it's um, it's so nice to know that they don't, or they haven't forgotten about these songs. Like, that anything is still possible. Any song can have a reimagining. Mm. This, I suppose, wouldn't have been the song I'd choose off pop if I if I knew there was going to be one. But mm. I think what they've done here is is actually quite vital. And Bono sounds like he wants to get this track right. He sounds like he's really putting in a shift. Yeah. Whereas he's been, I wouldn't say lazy. He's just not. He's not bothered to reimagine some songs as much as the Edge has. I think you can feel Edge's enthusiasm every time he sings on this record. And it's the most Edge-heavy record that we have from you 2 I think, in terms of just how much he's pushed to the forefront. Mm. It's, his enthusiasm is clear. Bono's is, like, like I said, if Edge is giving 110%, then Bono's giving you like a solid 90 And I, I don't think he phones it in at any point on, on the album. Like, like a lot of the best bits of pop, this song is has got a lot of doubt in it. Mm. And, and also some of the really interesting bits on here is when Bono is taking a complacent type of religiosity or faith and turning it on its head a little bit. And yeah. the, the the original lyrics to this song really shine through here. I, I I couldn't agree more. I think it has a different weight to it now. Like this is I've never really doubted or, or questioned what um if God will send his angels means or is about. Mm. But uh, I got a clear image of this character looking round there's there's children starving on the street uh, mm -hmm. uh mothers dealing dealing in a doorway you know mm -hmm. there's father christmas yeah, <laughs> and, a, and a begging bowl yeah. um so they're just lyrics but the, you get this image in your head and there's there's a lot of despair around and a lot, a lot of unfairness i think it, it, and yeah, you're it's waiting just persisted since 1997 basically yeah and it's kind of well Oh, I'll pray for those people. And it's like, no, you help them out. God will work through you. Mm -hmm. I'm an atheist. Mm -hmm. And I know that, that God works through your actions. You create God by the good work that you do. Does that make sense to you? It, it's a theological position. Um, I, I, Christian's answers on a postcard. How does God work? <laughs> no, but I, it, that would be my understanding of I think religion. most Christians would agree. You can't just sit on your tuckus and let, let God just do it. Like, you've got to be part of, you've got to be, you know... An active part, and let the Holy Spirit work through you. Less, yeah. le less time praying, more, more time doing, is what I'd say. Yeah, that's, that's sorry. It's one of the dinner ladies at school who would be like, "Less talking, more eating." <laughs> it's a very similar philosophy. Well, maybe uh, dinner ladies have their own religion, but that, it just it sent me down <laughs> it sent me down this very uh, religiony wormhole, which isn't yeah. a headspace that I occupy very often. But one of the few intelligent things I've ever said about you two, uh, which which I think was my opinion, I might have stolen it for someone, is is that God is everywhere and nowhere on on pop, and it's very it's really interesting in terms of Bono and and the rest of the lads, I assume, properly grappling with with issues of religiosity and faith. And that's not diminished on this song, as you're saying. It, it comes across really, you know, really forcefully. I also like that it takes its time. There's a bit at the end where it definitely didn't need to um, go on as long as it as it did, but it's in a nice way. It feels like Edge is still messing around with the arrangement, pressing a few keys here, here and there, be like, oh yeah, that that fits. That's nice. It's not trying to rush its way through. Um, 
and finish quickly and the wheels don't fall off in the end as well which is good so yeah good good stuff yeah really really liked it nice version and a popular one it seems people seem to really really love this uh, this new new reality. it's just nice to know that it's you know it's still in the mind All it gives me hope that I'll hear another version of please or another version of mofo I, I want to you know I want to hear those songs I want to hear I, I imagine the weight that wake up dead man would have now well, yeah, that that I'm surprised that didn't turn up actually. I felt like that could have been a candidate for what they would be doing. Mm. I guess we'll never know because we, you don't. I, look, in my head, I still want to hear another proper version of "Do You Feel Loved." Now they might be absolutely sick of 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 well, not sick of it, but they might think, "No, I don't like that song. We tried it once on the tour. It didn't work. It shelved tough." But I'd love to hear that song rendered with an acoustic and a piano, you know. Did you ever hear Bono and Jules Holland doing uh, If You Wear That Velvet Dress? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't like Jules Holland's style, but that's that's a, a similar sort of thing to this. I'm glad they didn't do, do that yet again and we didn't have featuring Jules playing Boogie Woogie Piano over the top of this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so track six, Desire, two minutes and 56 seconds. All the way from Angel of Harlem to... Dev, uh, to Hell's Kitchen, Devil's Kitchen, Hell's Kitchen, which is a part of New York, yeah. also like Harlem. This that, that's that's why that link was great. It was it was it was flawless. Um, so just like that link, I think this is going to be a bit of a divisive Marmite song. It's one of the most notable, and I think <laughs> when I'm trying to show people what Songs of Surrender is. I often, if they said, right, show me what this is in you know two or three songs. I'm a busy person. Show me some of these songs. I would definitely put this on because it's one of the most radical departures from the original. So from 1988, we've not got Bono. We've got Edge here. Um, I think a couple of people, well, I, I, yeah, I, I'm pretty certain this is Edge singing on here. At first, I had to check that in my head, but it's definitely Edge singing. And, and I think a few people have said, oh, Bono sounds weird here. Well, he does because it's the Edge. I have seen people really dig this and really enjoy the instruments, which seem like the guitar is crispy and punchy and interesting, but also Winter Edge's take on it. And it's, to me, I'm still divided on it because there's a kind of quality where it's almost distorting Edge's voice, the way they've processed it, and mm. it's so high, which it, on the one hand feels really solely and almost like, you know those like early recordings you have of really early blues musicians yeah. who are wailing and their guitars are just been electrified it's maybe just a pickup on an acoustic and it's really raw i get that vibe to it which i think is intentional but i also agree it is it's it's difficult to listen to sometimes it cuts a little bit how do you feel about about i about think i asked voice? you to learn this didn't i for today uh well i, I had an, i had a little look around there's about three guitars going on though on it so i mean i mean why what do you want to do and i just last last night i was really digging it and i was like <laughs> oh, just, just stick a capo on your guitar and i mean the original desire isn't particularly difficult um, it's all the production that makes it sound good. It really makes me smile, Desire. This <laughs> version of Desire really makes me smile. I don't think it's great, but it has an annoyingly catchy thump to it Yeah, that will really catch you and really... Mm. If you're not enjoying this song, you're in for a hellish ride, but it it, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It, it's less than three minutes long. I think they, they knew that they were pushing this and people might only mm. want to hear this for a short period of time yeah i think for what it is it's pretty good it's a guilty pleasure i think this song yeah i, I get that vibe they it. should have called this the guilty pleasure mix yeah um 
Bono is on here as well, at least I think he is. But it's in that um, it's in the background, from what I can tell, from you know the actual desire bit, and they've processed that voice really in a really interesting way, and they're doing interesting melodies because it sounds almost sort of wavy and woozy and drunk in the background for the main desires, which is a really nice counterpoint to Edge's sort of glassy cut, yeah. cut glass kind of like way of, I don't know if that's the right word, I way think, of singing it. I think this justifies what we said about a lot of the songs on this album. Mm. It, at least it's out there, and le- at least it's something yeah. different. It's interesting to talk yeah. about. There's, it's wacky. It's hard to know how you feel, but it makes you think. Mm. And if ever, if they've done that with everything, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, it just needs to make you think a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a re it's a this is an actual reimagining yeah. because it doesn't exist in the same universe as the original. I mean, like if you think just in your head, think about desire. Begins with that big bold like and then Bonagun, yeah, and it's a very like Bowdidley, Elvis, Stetson hats, big coats and leather. It's stupid. Well, and it and it but this you, version or you that two version. do stupid really well. Well, I think it's two different types of stupid, really. Mm. Um, and but this one with its sort of electronic f- feel to it, it feels like it's reflecting a different sort of desire. You know, it's updated for the TikTok generation, maybe. <laughs> Dear me, I'm not on TikTok by the way. Track seven until the end of the world, four minutes forty-four. As usual, we've got maybe a bit too much representation from Acton Baby. Yes, that's my favourite album. This song was way too obvious. Yeah, I I didn't I I didn't feel like this was a necessary version. Again, the stuff that we've just talked about and what makes an interesting version, this version doesn't feel that different and it doesn't feel that necessary. It's good, it sounds good. I love this song, but it's it's well produced. I really like the fact that, like with Desire, when it does have percussion, it's very thumping and punchy, and it works with the riff. But I I don't know. I mean, how many how many times have we heard this song before? I know. Um, I mean, I caught myself singing along to it, but yeah, I, I suppose that means that not a lot's changed because I could sing along to, along to it. Well, some of the backing harmonies are interesting. So like, for I, example, I, I I I don't sing backing. Well, I know you don't. But... I'm uh, I'm the LV. Yeah. Okay. Um. But like, there's int- very interesting choices with the with the backing harmonies. Like, um, so, or just actually, just the way it's sung in general. Like, you led me on. Like, just very interesting to. It's interesting mm. comparative to the original. Yeah, it's different, but it, yeah, but not 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 massively so. And then this sort of, um, I don't know. By the time it, by the time you get to the end of this song. If you're watching it live and you're watching a great version like off the Innocence tour and you've got waves crashing and the mm. big screen and everything's kicking off, then someone coming in and going, da, 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 that's cool and interesting. Whereas here it's just, when's the song going to finish? You know, it's, it feels a little bit like that. So it's not bad, but it's not, it's not that important to me either. So... Well, it's the second song from Acton Baby on this disc, and it's the second time that I've I've I heard Crowded House. I I think Edge. You, you going on a bit of a Crowded House? Uh, I I I I, I delved in uh, in lockdown. Yeah. I. Um, well, then we then a lot had, of had, a Crowded House had a house viewing. Mm, I feel like my joke was better, and you stepped on it. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, it was it was fine, but uh, yeah, Crowded House. Let me know if you agree with the Crowded House sign. It's a very down the line version. It's just, it's just yeah. there. Yeah. Um, 
that's that's the worst thing when you just don't have very much to say about these versions to yeah. be honest uh, all right. So and the, 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 oh. the the peaks on this disc in particular are very high. Yeah. Which makes um, it doesn't have any troughs. No, it's just but it just it seems lower. It, but it, but it plateaus for various points. Where it, like I'd say until the end of the world is a plateau. Like I wouldn't turn it off, but I'm not going to go reaching for it. Song for someone. Back to song for someone. Not thirteen anymore. Um, yeah, I would have I would have preferred thirteen. As a, as a more surprising choice yeah, here, I think I'm. I think I'm more of a purist when it comes to this song. Um, yeah. Song for someone. <laughs> someone like me. I've been practicing. Right. <laughs> um. Again, this is, and I'm. I'm going to repeat myself. This seems to be making the case that they really want people to look back at the songs of innocent songs. Sean of the iTunes debacle, um, which I never thought was that bad of a thing to do, and just say, look at the songs again. It feels a bit too recent to do that, even though I know it's been quite a while since this album came out. But ten years. But but this is a really really good version of the song. Yeah. Um, I Bono think, was very close. Yes, very. I put intimate. Uh, I've written it twice. Actually. Yeah, it's like singing to a lover. But this song as well. It, it we've had on this album kind of pub sing along versions which i would say are the un- until the end of the world kind of version was like we've had reinventions and kind of popifying things and you know the desire version is kind of interesting in that way but here this is a really nice intimate ballad and this is a reminder about how good edge's piano sound can can be and yeah it's 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 a, it's really nice and the there are moments when on this album, within these 40 tracks, and if you look, you've got to look for it, but there are moments when these songs do crack open and the bit where the piano um, does the guitar that would be on the original track, the the piano bridge there is brilliant and made me actually want to go back to Songs of Innocence again. So mission accomplished, lads. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked this version. Bono's voice seems better or more relaxed. I feel like he's able to reach certain notes, but he's singing very close to the mic- microphone, also almost in hushed tones, yeah. at least at the start. I think he does some notes actually better than on the original recording here. But it's a different style of singing. Like it, um, it, it's like the original was a showcase of a voice, yeah. in a way, and this is a very personal... The yeah. focus is different. The focus is on who it's being sung to rather than who is singing it. To whom it's being sung. Some some people would say that, wouldn't they? And uh, we all know what we think of those people. Um, you really you really liked it. A worthwhile track. Um, yeah, amazing, amazing. That it's ten years old, really. Yeah, I think that's a good way of thinking about it as well. In terms of it, originally maybe it was at a interstitial point in Bono's voice where it was not quite properly old like it is now it was changing yeah Yeah, exactly yeah yeah um whereas i think he's he's got really comfortable with it and yeah it works works very well yeah all i want is you at four minutes 28 track nine yeah another one that's i just it didn't inspire me when i saw this on the track list and i wasn't thinking oh exciting it's another one that when i first heard it i thought interesting and then the more it went on, mm. I thought, oh, no, it's not that interesting. It's just, it's... It's kind of like a tribute to a song. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think that's a really bad thing to do because all, you, all I want is you has been covered so many times anyway. 
by mediocre artists in mediocre versions. So we just don't need another version of this. And yeah, I like Banjo, but it's no one was crying out, I don't think, for yet another version of this. And it's it's not a stripped back version, and it's not a rocked up version. It hits similar sort of points and Bono's really pushing it at the end and trying to get his voice the most out of his voice. That's impressive. But it just it never it's never lit my fire, this version. No, it made me want to go and listen to All I Want Is You. The original. the original version, yeah. Well, I mean, again, that's that's in a way that's a mission accomplished. It made me want to go back to that beautiful version they did at Abbey Road with the live orchestra, where they just stand and watch the orchestra play at the end I, with folded arms. I don't love that performance. Oh, well, I think it's pretty good. I I I, I forget a lot of it. All oh, right. Well, mm. um, well. Although is, I, I think I've only seen it all the way through once because it's no, it never seems to be on any streaming service. I think you can just YouTube it didn't think of that yeah <laughs> but uh slain castle i'd say um is where i would go for if i want all i want is you or just go back to original rattle and hum do they play it there a lot uh yeah just head, head over there and you'll see, you'll see the lads they'll be up there um yeah i have a coffee and a cake it's just kind of kind of boring <laughs> you're amusing yourself with your mrs brown's boys accents i've never seen a single episode of mrs brown's boys so yeah, that sounds like a point of honor for you. Neither have I. I just I'm just aware of it. No, I I know with his Irish accents, but I don't I don't get the reference if you. I think it's, I was just saying that it's just a cliched Irish accent. That's all. Oh well, fair enough. Uh, final track on this disc, uh, the last of Adam, Peace on Earth. Is it a Christmas song? Well, we did this discussion. Um, we actually did the, the, two Christmas songs then on this uh, on this track with uh, If God Will Send His Angels. To light up your Christmas tree. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, well, I'm actually I've written here. I'm actually quite I'm quite happy that it's been shorn of its Christmassy effects. When I whenever I think about Peace on Earth, I do hear it as a Christmas song. The flipping logo is a Christmas tree, so I'm not I'm not being told that I'm weird for thinking that. Um, and it is about peace on Earth. I think this is a much more interesting version than I, than I first expected. Edge singing lead vocals. In quite a rough way as well, like with the desire thing, you can tell that he's processed those vocals. This feels like it was done, you know, Edge is sat on a on a cardboard box with his guitar playing it and without a huge amount of backing or anything like that. Mm. Um, Are you familiar with the energy company Love Energy? It, L-U-V, is, is that? No, L-O-V-E. Oh, okay. No, I'm not familiar with many energy companies. Right, well, you can get your gas and electric from this company called Love Energy, right? Yeah. And if you did do that, and it was Christmas time, yeah. then love would light up your Christmas tree. Yeah, well, that's so, a long walk for a, for a, a small picnic. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought, you know, if you for all the Uber U2 fans out there, it is possible. Yeah, it is to, possible yeah. to, to live out that, that dream. And then you can tell your mates that love is like, like you know, because you're like, oh, I like that song, yeah. Well, so what do you think about Peace on Earth, the song we're actually discussing? An example of a song that I wouldn't have asked for, but I'm excited to see what they do with it. Yeah. I was intrigued. First time I saw the track list in, I was like, hmm, interesting. Not, didn't expect that. Yeah. Um, I feel they could have done more with it. It, It's nice to hear an updated version of it, but it's that's what, what it is. It's nice. It's but, not... But what direction would you go then? Because, I mean, the original has has certain bits of production on it, you know, 
Whereas this feels like it's the this is the acoustic version of that song. I would so have, what I, direction would you go in? I'd have to get Gavin Friday to do an, an, an almost dystopian version. You think Gavin Friday is the answer to everything? You I, I do, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think, well, what's he done in the U2 canon that's not been good? That's fair enough. But he's got a very particular style, hasn't he? He has, yeah. And for some, for some songs... It would be more obvious. I think this this would have been a bit, little bit more daring to go with peace on earth. Yeah, it's quite a delicate song to do that with. I would say. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't want a dystopian up peace on earth. Why not? Well, like I said, it's kind of it's a delicate song in its melody and it's delicate in its subject matter. I would say when you're a, a philanthropist or an artist, yeah. like myself, used <laughs> um, to me. <laughs> It it can feel it can be a lonely life. Let me tell you, John. It can be a lonely life, and I, top I of the top. I yeah. I in think your ivory tower. I I think a dystopian version of this song could speak to the people like me and Bono, but that... who raise so much money and awareness. Fine. I mean, I just think. I mean, I've written. I think this is one reason why this might exist here. Possibly is we are coming up to the good. Well, we we've had the Good Friday Agreement anniversary. Maybe that's another reason to put this on because it's still an important song, and people, people who have forgotten or never experienced all the troubles that were had in Ireland, Northern Ireland, might just get a bit complacent about it. So I think this rearing its head again, this song, and mm. and and the lyrics really really do hit hard. I mean, the the lives are bigger than or the stories are bigger than any big idea. That is a it's a, it's, it's still a gut punch that that whole that that whole section of the song. So. I, I think this is very interesting and very exciting to, to listen to. The only thing that I found weird about it, though, it ends incredibly abruptly. It does, yeah. And it's like Edge goes, no, and then just goes, boom, like, and takes his guitar away. It's a really weird ending. It's, <laughs> it's like Morley's just showing, your tea's ready, Dave. Oh, dun, and then yeah. He's, yeah, he's taking his guitar away. It's very odd. I don't know if that's meant to be some sort of statement about the lives being cut short. There's not many, but I doubt it. There's not many U2 songs where it doesn't just fade out. Yeah, or have a big finish in the case of some of them, um, yeah. like uh, like like uh, um, coming up later will be stay. That has a massive finish when it when it actually does finish. But yeah, I, I was just baffled by that, and that's the end of the that's the end of the record as well. So we just sat there listening <laughs> to this, and you sort of getting into it, and then it's dun- oh done. <laughs> All right. Well, cheers. Thank you, Adam's disc. <laughs> yeah, um, it was a good disc. It was a disc I needed after, after the first two. Well, particularly Larry. I mean, I felt like Larry's got handed the short straw here um, in terms of what his name has been attached to. And look, people have different different strokes for different folks. I'm so, it's some possible that Larry doesn't even know that this album's come out. Yeah, but that, that's entirely possible, I would say. He'll yeah. be in his garage making a bike, Yeah, you know, taking his bike apart, putting it back together... Revving, preparing for back surgery. He won't. He won't. I don't know if he knows. <laughs> They'll have left messages, but he'll he'll look at them when he when he wants to. So, is this your favorite disc thus far? Sure. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I would say it is so far as well. And um, and it leaves me in a position where I I really don't know what's happening on disc four now. You know, if you were listening to them in order, it's like oh, disc four can either be really great, yeah, or it it could be a bit of a disappointment. And this, um, I mean, speaking of greatness and disappointments, we should probably do, uh, we should probably do our uh, sweetest thing and indeed our dirty days. Yeah. Okay. So, what's your sweetest thing, Tyler? Uh, electrical storm. Snap. That's also my um, my sweetest thing for this We're one. We're agreeing a lot. 
I know. We should we should disagree. Try and sow some seeds of discord at some point. Um, what about your least favourite? Um, your dirty day for for this one. All I want is you. Yep. <laughs> Snap. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's um it's not bad at all, but it's it's not all I want from this uh, from this project at all. I'm yeah. Saying all a lot. Um. So yeah, I think I think it's it's just a bit dull. Um. One thing I would say uh, that I sort of thought after listening to the Adam disc was. If you were in in a similar position that I was when I was about 13, 14, basically when the 80s and 90s best ofs were coming out and when I started to really go down this rabbit hole of U2, this album, I I assume, must be working in in the same sort of way for loads of young people, I think. And that's why I just want to... We've been positive, I think, this episode... Mm. Um, and we've always been honest with this but I think that's one of the things that I think must be seen as really positive for this because if this album gets played around and people fall in love with these songs they might go on that same journey and if it takes them back to if you get someone who loves that song on this version you know if, if God will send his angels and they g- g- fall headlong into pop and then suddenly they're listening to Gone and Mofo and you know Mission Accomplished then I, I think yeah. um, but it does it does annoy me that we've got zero representation from October or um, No Line on the Horizon. What is that about? I think we all know what that's about. No, I I I disagree. Like what what the hell? Like I think we I think we know what that's about. I, I don't leave October off. There's lots that I'd like to hear from October. Well, I don't know if we should shell this conversation for like a big sum up later on or something. Well. Or maybe when we tantalise the audience to listen to the th- the fourth episode of this long uh, series of, of podcasts. Yeah. Last thing I want to say is a few weeks back on Twitter, I did ask people if they could erase all memory of a, one particular song from the U2 canon from the minds, purely to have the pleasure of listening to it again and going on that journey again. What song would you, you choose? And there was lots of different... Um, options a lot of people saying streets um a lot of the joshua tree was present but for me it would have to be um electrical storm Mm. that that very first song that i became obsessed with yeah from you two it just i I would love to feel like that again and know that i've got so much ahead of me but i feel like this this version did make me feel like that. Not, exa- not exactly the same. Yeah. And also, uh, Anthony Motta and Steve Lester also felt the same way because they mentioned Electrical Storm. I just thought mm. I'd drop in more further mentions of Electrical Storm. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it's it's a wonderful project if it's been able to make us feel like that. We weren't expecting it. We certainly didn't ask for it. Um, but that was Adam. And now there's just one wily customer left to uh, tick off. 30 tracks down, 10 to go. Thank you for listening to Review 2, the U2 podcast. If you'd like to get in contact or for more information, please follow us on Twitter at REV underscore U2 or on Facebook.com forward slash 
R-E-V-U-2-2-U. For those Rebel-type guys, why not email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Review 2 was presented by Johnny and Tyler. <laughs>